Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 136. Uh, for our discussion this week, we took a fan suggestion. Michael, uh, sometimes co-host, depending on the week, uh, just texted me out of blue, gave me some podcast ideas, and one in particular really stuck in my craw of actors playing against type, like actors that we know for one thing, playing something completely different and out of their comfort zone. He suggested doing good and bad. We're positive people around here, so we're just going to focus on the good, so we're not going to talk about Tyler Perry in the Alex Cross movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, before we get into all that, Josh, besides Tired, how are you doing what? tonight? Or Tyler Perry in the TMNT movies. Oh. I am tan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do... Um, it's the most random... <laughs> I, uh... Well, you said I could. You were like, besides tired, so that took that away. So I was like, well, I guess I'll go with it. I don't know. (laughs) I am very tan. Like, to the point, um, I had to. It's not in the best way. I had to pop a couple blisters on my on my shoulders because I got a little too much sun last week. Um, uh, Thanks for holding down the fort, buddy. I know me not yeah. being here is not always the fun part, but you know. Oh no, it's 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 always fun when Josh isn't here because it means I can do podcasts with my wife, who knows more about theme parks than Josh. Um, but we're happy no, you're back. That's also true. We're we're happy you're back, Josh. Uh, but while you're gone, did you watch anything interesting? I have watched absolutely nothing. Uh, I uh, uh I will tell you what I did do. I uh, added. I went through and added some movie releases to my Google Calendar, which is something I've never done before. Welcome but I was like, I need to make sure that I see. Uh, I need to make sure that I see the Green Knight. Otherwise, oh, I'm going to dude, I'm so have a seizure. I have to watch it. Or I'm gonna go crazy. Um, uh, I've been reading a lot more uh, as well. But, yeah. Um. So I only really watched one thing. Uh, I watched Fear Street Part One, 1994, on Netflix. Uh, it's like this like three-part movie trilogy that Netflix is releasing on three Fridays in a row. Its other big hook is it's supposed to be like based off of the first adult series that R.L. Stein has ever written, and it, the trailer seemed fun and interesting. Um, I think I'm gonna like this Fridays a lot more than I like the first movie i wasn't a big fan of fear street part one and i think it's Mm. due to the characters i really hated a lot of the characters in this not just for being dumb but just a lot of whiny insufferable teenagers just making really stupid decisions like no joke Mm. one character tries to kill her ex-girlfriend and then when that doesn't work or force her to have a car accident when that doesn't work she feels guilty and just like no no i gotta protect you um you literally just attempted to try and make her friends <laughs> crash a car and you also got mad at her for moving no joke half an hour away from you like and this is the person we're supposed to care about and there is a i won't say who it is but there's a character that i cared about significantly more that i thought was going to survive and they make you think they're going to survive but then they just pull the rug out from under you and kill them off in a kind of awkward shock. Cause the, you know how sometimes the camera will just linger and you're just like, Oh, mm. so they're getting out of this. Cause you were really focusing on the shot. Oh, Nope. Her head just went through something and she's split into several pieces. Now 
a cool kill, but I'm like, why couldn't that have happened to the main character instead? So yet again, mm-hmm. Netflix kind of trips over their own feet when it comes to horror, but yeah. Um, other than that, not much. I'm sure by this time next week when we reconvene, I will have seen Black Widow. I'm either going to see uh-huh. that probably like Friday or Saturday. Um, we'll be one step closer to the finale of Loki, which... I was lamenting to some people of just get one Marvel series on Disney Plus. Can we get like all good episodes, like consistently good episodes, like The Mandalorian? Because every single one struggles at least towards the middle, towards the end. Because the past two episodes of Loki, after starting strong, is starting to lose me a little bit. And I'm going, mm-hmm. can, can we get back on track, please? I. Oh, okay, but this the episode four. Episode four was super good. I thought at least it, it was I was than three. I, I needed some some questions answered and it answered none. Yeah, and maybe that's what it is. But at the same time, I think it had to build the idea that maybe this is dabbling a little into spoiler territory for those who haven't watched the show. But it's been out for a while um, by now. When if the yeah, yeah. If the concept of the show is to protect the sacred timeline, right, then, and if according to the sacred timeline, uh, Loki is supposed to always be alone and he's never allowed to feel anything to the contrary, a moment in which not just one but two Lokis feel a like they're not alone would be, to me, a really, really big deal. Like, a really that would cause... A lot of shift in the time. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of like really, really cool stuff. I think that they're doing that has to has has to. It's going to require some delicate storytelling. I so not WandaVision. Don't know where they're going because so I don't not know WandaVision the, then. The time card. Yes, but like in a in a really good way. I don't know where where, where they're going, and I'm really excited to see what's. I don't know, but that's yeah. me. Maybe episode five is make or break for me. But let's get mm-hmm. into the news, shall we? Unfortunately, we have to start yeah. off our news. Unfortunately, we got to start off our news with some um, sad, but um, I won't say it's too depressing just because this individual was able to live a very, very full life. And by that, we're referring to Superman, The Goonies, and Lethal Weapon director Richard Donner passed away this past weekend at age of 91. Um, so while Richard Donner was not one of my favorite directors, I thought it was only appropriate for us to take a little section out of the podcast today and talk about his impact and legacy in the world of film, just because without him, there's a lot of the landscape that is not how it is, primarily just because of Superman alone, but we'll we'll come back to that. Without Richard Donner, we don't have The Goonies. I know a lot of people hold that in high esteem of like one of the best 80s movies of all time. We've got Lethal Weapon, which is one of the best buddy cop movies of all time. We've got The Omen. I appreciate that Richard Donner tried so many different genres and seemed to excel at all of them. Um, I also am still one of those people that will kind of attribute both Superman 1 and Superman 2 to Richard Donner, because I'll watch the Richard Donner cut and not the actual theatrical cut of Superman yeah. 2. That's a, that's a whole... That's the Snyder cut before the Snyder cut even existed. Um, of the movies that we've listed today, Josh, Superman, The Goonies, Lethal Weapon, The Omen, any other Richard Donner movie, 
what would you say has had the most profound impact just on the world of movies, but also on you? I think, I mean, I don't think I've been quiet about uh, how near and dear to my heart the Lethal Weapons movie uh, movies are. For some reason, I don't know why. I'm not much of a buddy cop movie kind of guy, but Lethal Weapon just gets me, man. To the point that when they make a Lethal Weapon joke in Maverick, uh, it, it, like, I just, I... It makes me love Maverick. I, I, I don't like that movie very much, but like just that small little pocket of of that movie I, is just one of my favorites. But yeah, it's Goonies is easily one of the best quote, one of the most quotable movies from the '80s. Like it's it's a childhood treasure hunt, man. Who doesn't like a childhood treasure hunt? Uh, but then obviously we've got the big the big one of all. With Superman the movie, because you can't just call it Superman. It's ju- it is Superman the movie. We have to yeah. look back at when that first came out. I believe it was either 1976 or 1977. I think it was 76. Um, superhero movies were not the readily accessible thing that they are today. The last time we got any form of superhero anything was 1966's Batman, which is very very different tonally. Um, as a movie so i think without that first superman movie without richard donner we do not have the superhero landscape that we have today also i did not even know this until i was listening to some videos about um richard donner he was executive producer on the first x-men he's the one that hired kevin feige for that movie oh wow so like not just the superman connection but in terms of like an apprenticeship and bringing in basically the next generation that would leave the superhero world if you like any superhero movie whatsoever, that can be directly attributed to Richard Donner circling back to that original Superman movie. Now, Henry Cavill's my favorite Superman, but there's no denying that Christopher Reeve was a perfect Clark Kent and Superman. Oh, yeah. To me, it still gives me goosebumps of, I believe it's Superman 2, that him and Lois are on this like romantic getaway or something, and he's just like hunched over with his Clark Kent. Clark Kent glasses on and she leaves the room he takes his glasses off and puts them in his pocket and he just like changes his posture and just like that I was like that's how you convince somebody to go from Clark Kent to Superman like people are just like the glasses are stupid disguise watch that scene like his whole you see the change from Clark to Superman and it's so well done um the original Superman doesn't necessarily hold up super super well there's like no action no. and it's really really <laughs> corny but it's like the universal monsters they don't all age particularly well but you understand and will always respect and appreciate their historical relevance to the genre that they belong in mm-hmm. without the universal monsters there's no universal pictures there's probably no monster movies still without richard donner superman whether or not it's aged particularly well compared to other superman adaptations is irrelevant without that there's no tim burton's batman there's no christopher nolan's batman christopher nolan has said very much how he was inspired by richard donner growing up uh i feel like they did an interview together that was super super awesome so um he's never one of my favorite directors but i will always respect that he was one of the most impactful directors in the genre and for that i think it's only proposed that we give our nice superman salute to the legacy that was richard donner mm-hmm. Now, let's transition to some weirdness that normally we don't talk about leaks on this show just because we don't want to talk about stuff like perpetuate news that clearly was not meant to be revealed by the official studios. Mm -hmm. However, this was actually... 
actually officially revealed, not just by the toy makers, but by Marvel themselves has released these images. So that's why we're going to talk about these first looks at the toys and the merchandise for Spider-Man No Way Home, which kind of hint at multiple suits, which I saw some people complaining that they're just like, how are we getting toy merch before we get a trailer? I'm going, um, we always get leaked merch before the trailer. (laughs) Y'all, yeah. um, do you not remember a certain movie called Godzilla vs. Kong and a certain Mecha Godzilla toy that leaked almost like what I believe was like a full calendar year before the movie even came out? Like, yeah. Or the G.I. Joe toys leaking. Or I feel like there were some Phantom Menace leaks that came out before that came out. Like yeah. that spoiled Qui-Gon's death. Leaks happen all yes. the time. But this isn't a leak like it leaked one day but then marvel themselves officially released it and i figured within the next day or two that they've released a trailer they still have not i wouldn't be surprised if we come back next week and we're talking about the trailer because it, yeah black widow will have come out and i wouldn't be surprised if the trailer's attached to that but there's still some odd stuff to be gleaned from this so let me pull up next to me here the funko pop like one of the top ones that they're talking about here with spider-man with what they're gonna call the integrated suit which (sighs) looks suspiciously like the iron spider suit except this time instead of metal it looks like he's casting dr strange spells to which i'm just going this raises so many questions here for me um before we, I deep dive into this, Josh, you see all these like weird figures that have officially been released now. What stands out to you the most of all these different suits, questions you have, etc.? I... I just... I don't understand... I get, while it's not a leak, I don't understand why this would come out before a trailer... I think is the thing I'm most confused about because I think these suits would make sense in context. Yeah. So my thing. Uh, I'm sorry, my computer is doing something weird. Oh no, I, I can know, still I hear you, see you. So you're still good. Okay. Okay. No, yeah, it's like it, it's just I don't get it. I don't. I I don't understand why Doctor Strange needs to be a part of this unless you're really showing well, your hand. Well, we know he's going to be in the movie. Thing. We know he's going yeah, to be I'm in the movie. Be, oh, I hear you, but at the same time, it's like, but. Don't t- I feel like Loki has done a better job at keeping its keeping its hand close to its chest as far as what cards it's going to play than this movie has. Now we could be all wrong going up up into this film, you know, once the trailer drops. But it feels like uh, it, it just feels like they're they're trying really hard to pretend like we don't know what the movie's about. And these and to me, releasing these Funko Pops beforehand three and three different suits he's gonna have multiple suits in one get out of here Go well, i mean he's always had multiple suits but the these raise more questions to me than answers they're just like why does it look like spider-man's got wizard powers in this suit why is also why does it look like the iron spider i thought we were done with the iron spider i don't want the iron spider to come back what's wrong with red and blue it's not that complicated why do we always gotta over why do we also gotta overdo the stupid spider suit? Like, come on. The homecoming suit was perfect. Just take out the black stripes and it's the perfect Spider-Man suit. But, like, we've got 
the weird like wizard Spider-Man suit. We got this weird like black and gold Spider-Man suit. The thing is, when I first saw these, I was just like, oh, these might not be legit because a lot of times when toys post things, they are superfluous. They're not actually in the movie. They're just made up to sell more toys. Like I remember when Batman versus Superman was coming out, there's like a Batman mm-hmm. and like bright blue or bright bright green and they're like with his like ion blaster that's always the case with toys that's not usually the case with funko lego has been known to sell fake sets they're still to this day i remember uh they had a lego set between iron man fighting the mandarin for iron man 3 like the actual bearded mandarin obviously we know that didn't happen lego has been known to make false sets action figures have been known to make figures of things that aren't actually in the movie but different variants for lack of a better term funko not so much especially when the branding is right on top of it for the movie that it's attached to so i'm thinking these are legit and it raises more questions than answers like why do we have all these different suits clearly this is a christmas movie one because we saw from set photos that there's snow on the ground but dr strange now is shoveling which actually that's the least of my concerns here i think that's actually kind of funny that he still will like manually shovel shovel bleaker street um (laughs) also just we quote unquote know what the story is but i'm getting more and more confused because like we keep hearing all these casting things but we've never seen anybody on set there's no set photos of anybody like i'm getting very worried at this point that there's a reason we haven't seen the trailers or haven't heard about the plot. And this is going to sound blasphemy to say this, and this could all change as soon as we see the trailer. But to me, I'm getting increasingly worried that this movie hasn't been decided yet, and they're figuring it out in the editing room. And that's why we're hearing so many conflicting reports about what the movie is. Like, either yeah. Marvel has this thing locked down tight and we haven't heard anything. Or there's a reason we haven't heard anything is because they're trying to figure this out too, which is not the case normally for Marvel. Yeah, but it's not unheard of for Sony. That's worst case scenario for me. I'll admit that. I think, but I am getting the, worried. I think the other thing I, I, that I I I'm trying to take into account is I do wonder if there's some details at the end of Loki that will kind of not spoil, but kind of lead into because it seems. I don't know. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. That's why they're waiting. Because, I mean, at this point, we've got, what, three weeks left? Two. Of Loki? It's we've two got, weeks when left? this episode goes, there will be a new episode of um, mm-hmm. Loki, and then there will be next week's. It's the so, I mean, that's not... I, I don't feel like that's out of the question. But unless they to, dr- drop it next week. To drop the trailer next week. For a counterpoint, though, we thought the exact same thing about when WandaVision came out. Of mm, Maybe true. they're holding off on any Spider-Man stuff because it's tied into WandaVision. Maybe Mephisto's sure. behind it all, which thanks, WandaVision, for setting so much stuff up and delivering on none of it. Um, mm. But I know Josh and I will have that. We've had that argument plenty of times before. I am starting to get worried about this, and I know I'm probably just overreacting on this, but I do think it is kind of bizarre how little we've heard about this. Like, not even an official poster or anything like you can have a poster that just says spider-man no way home like just in a regular poster dimension but the fact that we don't even have that yet like i, I don't know it just seems suspicious 
Like, we have yeah. now two Shang-Chi trailers and an Eternals trailer. Granted, both of those are coming out before, but not by much. Like, I, I don't know. Do you think I'm wrong for worrying so much, or do you kind of think something's up too, Josh? Um, I, I, I'm I, going to try to be as positive as I can in this situation, I think. I think uh, right now, they're, my hope is... It's gonna sound so like PR. Uh, my they they're taking forever because they want to take their time and give us the best possible product. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I see your face. Um, yeah, and GI Joe Rise of Cobra was delayed nine months yeah, to ensure the exactly. best possible quality and not you know to add more Channing Tatum scenes yeah, after he died. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's just I don't know, man. I'm trying to be positive about this and I really hope that the as cool as it would be to have Toby Maguire Josh is breaking up a little bit field back there we go the spider suits I really just hope that we're not going that direction yet you know or we don't don't get Ralph Bonard again uh oh okay yeah we don't want a WandaVision 2.0 again but <sighs> Anyway, so another I production just, yeah. that I'm very curious to see how this will progress, but in a different sense than Spider-Man No Way Home is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Obviously, the next Black Panther movie, Black Panther 2, except it's obviously a very, mm. very different situation. And I don't want to say I'm worried for this movie like I am with Spider-Man No Way Home, but at the same time, I am but i'm not like worried i don't feel like it's the right choice but i'm still very much just like well how is this going to go obviously due to the unfortunate passing of the great chadwick boseman but we talk about black panther because it is now actively in production they're now starting filming for um wakanda forever which is awesome it's still a matter of how do we proceed um by and large marvel does pretty well with movies we can all for the most part agree josh still has his weird civil war opinions um (laughs) but even for a company as big as marvel this is a very unusual circumstance like Mm -hmm. even with like a paul walker in fast and furious he had already completed almost everything for fast seven then he had some weird like body swapping but that was to add additional scenes for closure this is continuing a franchise without him for scenes that he has not filmed at all we don't know Mm -hmm. to the extent of what t'challa will even be in this movie if he will um, pass away off screen if he will have any form of presence in this movie i i'm cautiously optimistic about this movie just because i trust ryan coogler and i trust the people behind it wanting to Mm -hmm. honor the legacy of chadwick boseman but I do not envy anybody involved with this movie just because no. of the tremendous weight that I'm sure will be on all their hearts because of the impact that Bozeman has left on us as viewers, but even more so, I'm sure, on his castmates just because of his full life that he lived in such a narrow amount of time. But I am still just going, what What do we do here? I'm glad I'm yeah. not in this position, but what do we do here? I'm happy yeah. that it's beginning production, but it's just a, it feels weird. 
Yeah, it's very confusing because it uh, not confusing, but like they definitely have their work cut out for them here. Um, like uh, to me, obviously, you have to find a way to send off a great character and a great man um, without being disrespectful, and then also somehow rebuild the character again around someone else, hopefully Shuri. Um, but even that, it's... and Because I hear you, though, because it's, it's... It would feel... Uh, there's such a weird line of, like, respect that this movie's going to have to, to, to walk. Because it almost... Like, if, if Shuri dons the costume too early... Assuming if it's it's Shuri, if she, I feel like it would be really weird for her for anybody to don any of the Black Panther costume before the the middle of the movie. It would just because like it's, I don't know, man. It's it's a very complicated situation. I'm excited that it's getting getting production. To me, that says they ha- they know what they're doing. They're going for. I mean. At least when it comes to Marvel, I, I have I, I feel like I, I can have a reasonable amount of faith that they know what they're gonna they're doing now that they're in production. So, if I had to guess, um, I'm gonna say one thing that I really really hope is in the movie and kind of the direction that I think they might be going based off some rumors that I've heard. The thing that I desperately would love to see is you remember on the first Black Panther when Killmonger and Claw break into that like banker. Th- whatever and killmonger like dons that mask like that mm-hmm. as an homage to his comic book i would love it if we have like a viking type funeral for t'challa and everyone wears a black panther mask while doing the wakanda forever and we just get like a wide god shot going through the crowd and just seeing mm-hmm. everyone dressed as black panther together and yeah it there it's not black panther as a single entity anymore i think I think it'd be an interesting concept if it's not one Black Panther for the time being. It's we are Black Panther, and you have like a bunch of different people trying to fill the shoes. Like maybe Shuri makes different suits for different people, like Umbaku herself, and maybe a couple others, like as a group of Black Panthers to patrol Wakanda yeah. and keep it safe. Kind of like a battle for the cowl thing before Dick Grayson became Batman. It was a couple different people trying to fill the void before you have to have that one person ultimately mm-hmm. step up. So maybe it's a, we don't feel like one individual person can do this. Maybe it's a collective, we need to band together, which would be very, very heavy and very symbolic, obviously, for this movie. Yeah. But I think from a narrative standpoint, based off some rumors that keep circulating, what I think might happen is... There will be no king in Wakanda, and maybe a king from somewhere else, maybe Atlantis, wants to stake his claim and rule both the sea and the land. And so Wakanda has to fight back and defend their homeland, and in doing so, a new king rises, or king or queen rises from the ranks of Wakanda. We've heard some Namor rumors, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast here, just because they haven't come from any credible sources whatsoever. Um... (laughs) But that would logically, to me, make sense of if a kingdom doesn't have a ruler, they're always in threat of invasion from somewhere else. So we're obviously not at Doctor Doom Latvia level yet, despite what some internet clickbait places will have you. I think we're much closer to like a Namor 
coming in and mm-hmm. trying to rule under the sea, under the sea, and try and take over Wakanda as well. I think that could just be that would be the direction I go with it. But Kevin Feige is a much smarter man than I. Um, yeah. If you don't have to agree so quickly there, Josh, but um, <laughs> if, if you had to pick the direction or what, how would you handle this if it was up to you? Thank goodness it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks goodness it's not. I'm not jealous of these scriptwriters in this situ- situation. Um, man, I like the 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 Namor idea of that way. It gives. It'll be tough because because the 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 question that's always going to linger in how you do this is gonna, how are you going to take T'Challa off screen? Mm-hmm. How are you going to do because. How rough would it be to have to kill him if they killed him on screen? If Namor kills T'Challa on screen, and that—that's in that seat—that feels see, so distasteful. But like, that's, that, that's the problem: is Namor <sighs> eventually is a good guy and joins the Avengers. Mm-hmm. If Namor kills Black Panther, I think, especially T'Challa, I think that is a line that you cannot come back from narratively. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the ultimate cheap heel heat to the point of like you will be a heel forever mm-hmm. if you just can't do that and i don't see them doing that i, I, I think they might just do it off screen honestly just because it might it is such a difficult thing mm-hmm. and the, to me i think if they have namor do that or your villain for the movie um it, it'll be t'challa in the black panther suit because we both know that's how he would want to go out. Yes, is in the suit, doing in the line of duty, doing what he what he what he loves best, protecting his country. So I, I like the name more idea the best. I think out of all, out of everything, um, while it would be really really cool to get Shuri making different Black Panther costumes for different for a couple people, um, the the issue is I I think it runs too close into becoming like a Power Ranger movie. Or, you know, like when the Night Wings took over for Rick Grayson. Yeah, that's just, yeah, it just, there's, it's, I do, yeah, like you and I have said, I do not envy these scriptwriters. They are in for a challenge. So we talked about with Namor, if they do that thing, it would basically make the character completely irredeemable. Speaking of which, we're getting a Don't Breathe 2 with a completely irredeemable character to me. I don't care what you say. Oh, I um, agree. Um, Don't get me wrong. I love the first Don't Breathe. It is not a movie I need to rewatch a whole lot, though. Um, no. Especially once you find out. I'm not going to say what it is because I want you to see it for yourself. But especially when you find out what's hidden in the basement. Oh, Gosh, I can't look at certain cooking supplies again. Um, I love the first Don't Breathe. I love Fede Alvarez. Yeah. All I need to say is Evil Dead remake. Ah. I was always hesitant when they announced that they're going to be making Don't Breathe 2 featuring the blind man. Except this time, he's the good guy. I see the trailer now, and I'm still very confused as to what they're going yeah. for here. Because... For those that don't know, the original Don't Breathe is about a group of teenagers that break into a blind guy's house trying to rob him. But what they don't know is the blind guy has more than a few tricks up his sleeve and he's not someone you want to be. It would be better if you basically 
tried to steal from somebody that could see because this guy you don't want to mess with and he's got quite a few demons literally um the problem is at least for me the actions that the blind man takes in the original don't breathe not just so much what he does to the people invading his home but other elements it's hard not to spoil it but also keep this a pg podcast yeah other elements involved with the blind man, at least for me, makes it impossible to see him as even an anti-hero. Not even close to that. He's still a horrible person. And the trailer like tries to mess with that. They're just like, oh, you trust him? You don't know what he is. You don't even know what he is, I don't think. And they're just like, well, he, he, he's got a dog, so that should make him good. He's looking after this little girl. I'm like, yes. But we all remember what happened in the first one. That is inexcusable. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. That's ir- like, no, you're not even an anti-hero. That's a horrible person. And also, just tonally, this trailer does not feel like the first one. It feels like we've gone from Taken to Taken 2 or Taken 3. Of It is very, very abundant that Fede Alvarez is not directing this one. He's involved with the story, but someone else is directing it. This does not feel like a horror movie. It feels like a Taken sequel. It feels very bizarre. Uh, Josh, you in the same camp here? Yeah. It's... I... How I feel about this trailer is going to depend on who that little girl is. Because if that's his daughter, and like, you know, from way back in the day, and this turns out to be a prequel, I can give it a little bit more grace. Given oh... Yeah. So, yeah. If it's a pre, if that girl is his daughter, and this is a prequel, I can give it. I can give that the blind man character a little bit more grace because those things have not happened yet. Now, however, if the plans, if little girl is the f- fulfillment of the plans from the first one, y- get out of here. It's not. There's it's no not, way it's this not, guy. It's not. Okay. It's someone that he's just taking under his wing. That's pretty clear that it's because also the. The plan, we'll just say that, the plan in the original one, I don't think that girl survived. I thought she died. Who says it's her? Who says it's her? Who says he just doesn't get somebody else involved in the accident? I'm just, I'm just, that's my problem here is that depending on who that little girl is and when the story takes place, prequel, I can deal with it. Fine. Not really something I think needs to happen, but fine. Sure. If it's a sequel... All of those events have happened, and he's still a terrible person. And you're just gonna give him a a girl a, a, a girl to take care of. But it's a cute you're just girl, gonna... and he's got a dog, so that makes him okay. But like that's that's the problem is that it's not like you can't just give him like look he's gonna take care of this girl in this movie. It's gonna be fine. But the first movie still happens, so you can't just like make him into john wick that's not how this is gonna work and i think some people try and use the john wick defense of like john wick did horrible things not to the extent that the blind man did blind man did very or was going to do very very bad things john wick was a hitman for hire basically in a different realm but still also had a code of ethics there are even lines that even john wick will not cross the blind man seems to have no moral questions which 
could be interesting for a character, but I think if we hadn't had the first one, I would be much more interested in this one of going, oh, cool, a really, really tough blind guy who's basically a threat. That's legit. But I can't shake the first one out of my brain. Had we never ventured to the basement to find out what was in the basement in the first Don't Breathe, and it was just teenagers breaking into a guy's house and get over in over their head, then I think I would be much more okay with this movie. But you opened up a whole can of worms, which was a good twist. Do not get me wrong. It was a good twist for the original. It added oh, a new twist, twist to things. Yeah. But it also complicates more the character of the blind man of everyone's in this gray area. His is leaning more towards just straight, you're a sociopath. Um, and that's one of those actions that we talked about earlier that's irredeemable of the things that he was planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Just going, to me, just because you have a cute dog now that I think may have even been in the first one. Just because you were looking after some new girl in your life and you have a dog... And bad things may have happened to you. That does not excuse the actions that were happened in the previous movie. And just... Yeah. And I I think if they don't acknowledge it at all in this movie either, like if it's not a prequel and they don't... He never talks about his actions from the first one. It's even worse. Because then he's just... he, he At the very least, he needs to be like, look, I was going through a lot, obviously, and I need, I, I, I don't deserve redemption, blah, blah, blah. But, like, even, it's just, yeah, it was not, it was a weird trailer. It was a weird trailer. So, we're going to continue on with the weird news, but I don't I don't mm-hmm. think this is as weird. And, and actually, it, it's going to sound almost hip, um, what's the word, heretical of me, I guess, yeah. to say, yeah. But this kind of makes sense to me, in a sense. So what we're getting now is a new Exorcist movie. And it's going to be just like 2018's Halloween of it. It will be a direct sequel to the original movie. And funny we bring up Halloween 2018 because it's going to be directed by the exact same guy. So I'm of two minds of this. Of The Exorcist is quote-unquote a horror classic. It's like one of the scariest movies of all time. Um I feel like you and I watched this in college and we struggled to stay awake. Like, yeah. The Exorcist does not do it for me. But then again, most possession movies don't really do it for me. Um, yeah, Exorcist has never really scared me. But there's always been this air about it, at least to me as a horror fan, that I have always felt like The Exorcist is like the jaws of horror. Of just don't touch it. You're going to piss off all these original fans of it. It's one of those mm-hmm. untouchable ones. On the flip side, it by today's standards, it is quite dated. Now, I know some people will be like, you don't need to update something just because it's dated. The storytelling possibilities are there, I think, for an exorcist. So I can understand why Blumhouse is doing this. And that's also kind of what gives me a little bit more optimism here is because it is Blumhouse. And as of late, Blumhouse does not bat a thousand. No one does. But by and large, they have more hits than they have misses. And they keep Mm -hmm. the budgets low, and they let creators do their thing. But also, David Gordon Green has been crushing it for them. I loved Halloween 2018's uh, Halloween 2018. I'm a little sad that Josh was gone last week, so he couldn't join me to talk about that amazing Halloween Kills trailer. Because... Dude, it's Dude, gorgeous. That's that's my most anticipated movie of the year right now, because Michael going to F everybody right up. 
everyone can, is going can we, to die. I know we texted. I know we texted about it, but can we like take a quick break just so you can you and I can like chat about this on the pod? Yeah. God, I there's so much in that trailer that I was like, yes, that's the direction we need to go. Yes, 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 yes. Like um. The fact that the whole town's in, in on it now, like, it make... To me, that was, like, for some reason, something that was oddly missing from all of it, all of the, the, the our previous Halloween movies. Like, I don't understand how we haven't gotten here yet, but here we are, and I'm excited about it. And it's um, not going to go well for anybody. <laughs> not for nobody. Um, I think... My one concern is that we saw. I don't think it's going to be the case because I think, if I remember right, uh, somebody involved with the movie said that there's going to be this is going to be the highest kill count Halloween yes, movie to date. It is. So, so the the kills that we see in the trailer are like ten percent, maybe, <laughs> and that is both very satisfying and terrifying. If that's oh, yeah. the truth, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but getting back to David Gordon Green, who's doing this yes. Exorcist oh, yeah, yeah, movie, yeah. I think it's interesting that both him and Jason Blum have come out and they're just like, we know people don't want this movie. This is exactly who we're making that movie, this movie for, or those Absolutely. people that don't want this. They're like, they're like, we know this is a challenge. We love challenges. And I kind of really appreciate the ballsiness of that. Of just like, we know you don't want this. We're trying to win you over the good old fashioned yeah. way. Just like a lot of people were against 2018's Halloween. They're just like, you got rid of all the sequels. Even as a Halloween fan, it was the right move because the ho- the family line made yeah. the timeline get all convoluted. Now, I know some people will defend The Exorcist Part 3 as, as an underrated gem. I will say it's got one of the best jump scares of all time when it does that um, fast zoom on the person that comes up behind the nurse in the hallway. Oh, no thank you. But... That's a cult classic. Like, when people hear Exorcist, they think Exorcist. It's like the Psycho sequels. Like, no one thinks about those sequels. People will genuinely think of just the original. So, I think it could be interesting continuing the original one. I also say this as someone that isn't overly nostalgic for the original Exorcist. Um, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. but then again, I was also on board with a new Halloween movie too. I'm I'm okay sometimes with. I'm often defending reboots and remakes in certain situations because sometimes material does lend itself to a modern adaptation, and so long as we're able to take our rose-tinted glasses off, they may not always be the worst thing. And if nothing else, you've got the original to fall back on. I don't always yes. advocate them. Um, Sometimes they don't need it. Other times, if someone has a fresh new spin on things, The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. I watched that over 4th of July weekend. That's technically a remake. It's fantastic. Are you saying we shouldn't have any of those anytime? I'm not against remakes. So I think this could be interesting. I think it's the right pedigree. Now, if this was like the person that did like the first Annabelle or the Curse of La Llorona, no, no offense to those people, but I would be much more concerned. Or if this was like... Universal or Warner Brothers with Michael Bay is doing The Exorcist. I'd be very concerned, but it's a guy that's done horror. Yes. I'm just ex- <laughs> explosive vomiting from Michael Bay. It's not even actual vomit. It's just she just vomits ex- actual vomits explosions. explosions. Just. And Reagan is now played by Megan Fox. Uh, for some reason. 
would no, there's no like reason why she like don't even acknowledge like that like yeah like they don't even say like oh she's super hot this is terrible they're like they just don't acknowledge that it's Megan Fox anyway that this is a, that is a joke Wait. I could run that with man and Shia LaBeouf plays Pazuzu the demon and it's not even he doesn't have makeup or anything when he just has the face in the shadows it's just the face of Shia LaBeouf just going running for your life bitch Pazuzu. <laughs> It's going off the rails. I, that was so something fast. I didn't know. I didn't know I needed. And now I absolutely need. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> like like a scary movie, but shot in like the most serious of ways. Like the actual um, Shia LaBeouf cannibal video. Yes, Just a, yes. Make a movie yes. version of that. Oh man! It's Honey um, Boy meets Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I there was a there's uh I'll give you my opinion here in a second but there was a uh there was a movie pitch on Reddit I saw that involved Daniel Radcliffe being the villain but Daniel Radcliffe playing Elijah Wood who's the villain and he meets up with Elijah Wood who's playing Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> and just it's, it's little things like that that would that's just I would love but yeah. I would like Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah Wood to be Dracula and Van Helsing. Yes. Just have the pair of Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Uh, oh. Josh, Exorcist remake. Closing oh, thoughts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> of the Exorcist. Uh, that's what we're talking about. Uh, uh, I thought we already got an Exorcist remake with the opening of Conjuring, uh, the the most recent Conjuring movie. Which I tried, man. I'm really trying to I finish that movie. Did. But I know. I think it's just because you haven't watched a horror movie in a long time. I cause... think so too. And I was by myself, so it was like. I mean, I won't say it was. Ne- it wasn't really, really scary, but like at the same time, like I was, I enjoyed it. But whatever. Um, but yeah, it's sure remake it. I don't. I don't care. It's a movie I don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> so some odd late breaking news. That at least again, it's like the boy who cried wolf here. But I refuse yeah. to give up hope of. Charles Roven, who's been a DC producer for a while, I believe he was one of the producers on the Dark Knight trilogy, he was producer on Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, uh, Justice League, etc. He has basically come out and said, yeah, multiple Supermans can exist in the same universe, to which I'm going, oh, cue that Dumb and Dumber meme, so you're saying there's a chance, basically. <laughs> I, like, I will grasp at any straws that I can reach, of Henry Cavill returning, but also, no duh, it's always been weird to me that DC is just so insistent on, oh yeah, we can have like seven live action Batmans all at one time, it's not confusing at all, we can only have one Superman at any given moment or else it'll confuse audiences, I'm going, what? You've got Battinson, you've got Batfleck, and now you've got Batkeaton, I'll stick with that. Um, In addition to, like, animated ones, I'm just like, but yet we can only have one Superman at a time? Like, oh, no, now that we've got a successful Superman TV show, we can't have a Superman movie, or if we do, he's got to be so radically different, he's got to be a different race. That's why we're having a black Superman, which is totally fine, but I don't want it to come at the expense of Henry Cavill. So I think, yes, we can have multiple Supermans. It's just been so weird to me that they're just like, oh, yeah, we can have the multiple Batmans. We can only have one Superman. So I think this does at least leave the door open for Henry Cavill to come back. But the problem is that I'm having with this is I don't know how much authority Charles Roven has to say these things 
because he is of the old guard. He's of the Snyder era and of the Nolan era. We're slowly shifting away from that. He's like, yeah, if they had a new Superman, like the J.J. Um, the Abrams one, he was open in this interview saying he's not touched that one at all. He has no producer credit. But if there's anything with Henry Cavill, he would get a producer's credit on that. So I don't know how much authority he has to make these comments saying oh yeah multiple supermans can happen it's just like um it's like if you're riding shotgun and you're going oh yeah we're going for lunch after this and the driver's just going um are we like yeah. it's not up <laughs> to you paying? i'm the one driving yeah. this um it's it has this to me it has about the same amount of merit as me sitting on this podcast for all you fine people and being like guys there could be multiple supermen at one time like it just because i'm right doesn't mean anything <laughs> like that uh, needs to be a shirt just because i'm right doesn't <laughs> mean right anything doesn't mean anything oh man like it just come on man like I want I, I want Henry Cavill back just as you, but like it's like I don't understand why this has to be so confusing and so like convoluted. Just like it's almost like if you just decided to tell clear stories, we wouldn't be so in this mess in the first place. Whatever. Anyway, I need to drink my Gatorade. I'm gonna kill some. Or you know, map things out ahead of time and don't give all the power to one director who you get scared about. Like what? Okay, Zack Snyder, his vision is not for me, but clearly resonated with some people. However, as much as Snyder fans don't want to hear it, the movies were losing money with each passing incarnation. Mm -hmm. And And they got more expensive, too. And people will be like, well, that's because Warner Brothers interference. I understand both sides. Zack Snyder, Justice League was a significant improvement over Batman vs. Superman, but I've seen the ultimate cut twice now. It's It's still not a great movie. And yeah. those movies were making less and less money. A four-hour movie is not going to make you a ton of money at the box office as opposed to a two-and-a-half-hour movie just because of showtimes and general audience interest. So I kind of get Warner Brothers' perspective at that of, okay, we're seeing a downward trajectory. We need to be seeing an upward or at least a plateauing trajectory of steadiness mm-hmm. of where we want this to be. And I have often said and I've worried that uh, Warner Brothers and DC views – Henry Cavill Superman as part of the trajectory downward. I'm going, Henry Cavill has never, nor will he ever, be the problem for Superman. It has been how it's used in the movies. Case in point, Tyler Hecklin, who is still, I think, on the smaller side for Superman, is a phenomenal Superman. Like, I'm I'm waiting for it to get bad. But Superman and Lois is genuinely one of the best shows on television right now. Like, I'm waiting for it to get bad because it's CW. <laughs> but, like, it's like Arrow season one or Air- Flash season one or two. Is good. it? Yeah. Is it? Is it still? Is it still in its first season? It's still in its first season. Okay. Yeah. So it won't. It, it's got a, another season before it gets bad. I don't know because it feels like it has a completely different creative team. It does not acknowledge Arrow or Flash like at all. I feel like it's the start of a different era of cw shows either that or it's got different backing because certain yeah. people might be moving on to other projects yeah superman and lois is phenomenal i've just never understood why we can't have multiple supermans if we can have ben affleck coming back if we can have keaton as an older batman why can't we have um black clark kent or even calvin ellis or val zod over on this planet 
who is clearly different and unique enough from Henry Cavill Superman, who is different enough from the TV Superman. They can all coexist. We don't get burnt out on Spider-Man, and we get a new one of those every single time. If nothing else, it makes me clamor even more for, I know the TV show did this, but they did it horribly. I would love a movie version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Everyone is fair game. We bring back anyone we possibly can. I know they're bringing back a lot of people for The Flash, but have every incarnation you possibly can. Bring in Brandon Routh Superman. Bring in Henry Cavill Superman. Bring in your new Superman that you haven't even cast yet. Have multiple Flashes, Supergirls. Tom Welling. Tom Welling won't come back unless it's <laughs> popular. Okay, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum, who is Lex Luthor, are talking about doing an animated series continuation of Smallville. I'm going, oh, Tom, that's convenient that you're doing it. Now that superheroes are popular, because you had no desire to be Superman whatsoever when Smallville was around... You were yeah. a great Clark, but I still kind of hold it against him that he's just like, yeah, I want to be Clark. I refuse to do anything even Superman related. Like, never wore a suit or anything. Like, come on now. Yeah. No, I feel you, bro. I mean, I think... <laughs> I'm just... Like, I- I'm going to stick to my guns on this, man. Well, yeah, there could be multiples. Like, I don't understand. Like... <sighs> whatever dude just yeah get, what there can get, be multiples get, but again it's probably not up to charles roven to decide also true so this episode as per usual is sponsored by our t- shop on t public if you want to have the latest uncharted media merch whether it's hats baseball tees long sleeves tees long sleeve tees hoodies mugs stickers notebooks whatever you feel like you can get it at TeePublic. Link is in the description. And now, on to the fun stuff with actors playing against type. Now, a lot of the lists that we're going to talk about today are comedians because I often feel like we pigeonhole comedians into this, oh yeah, you're the funny guy, make me laugh, and then go, oh wow, they can act. Like we're like it's some big shock where in reality, a lot of comedians have acting chops. We just either force them to stick to what they know or we just are shocked when they do something different. I want to say the Rob Williams one for last because I think that's the most drastic departure. Plus it's our favorite and we could talk about that one forever. (laughs) Yes. I, uh, I, 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 honorable mention though to to what Owen Wilson is doing on Loki right now. You and I already knew that he's this good, but like, holy crap, bro. Like he is knocking it out of the park and I, I don't think he's gone. No, me neither. I think had uh, Loki not been pruned in the same episode, then I would have. I'd be much yes. more upset. That being said, I was very pissed when he got pruned in the moment. Going, Bo, oh, don't you dare! Don't, don't you dare. dare do that to I the was Wilson. Like half, <laughs> half crying, like he just wants a jet. Ski. I did. I, he just wants a jet ski and say, <laughs> "Wow, wow." Which, okay, We're gonna get see, one. We're gonna get. You gotta give us one. Just reason, one. The reason I didn't put Owen Wilson on the list today is just because, like Nicolas Cage, like I don't really know what to typecast them as. So it's not really against fair. type for him. Um, let's fair. let's see what we should start with. Oh, because it's me and I need to break out a jar that I have not broken out in quite a while. Joel Edgerton. Oh. But we're not gonna talk about Joel Edgerton because again, he doesn't really have a type. But. He has made his directing debut before in a movie called The Gift. 
Josh, you ever heard of this movie? I have heard of it, but I never had the opportunity to watch it. An opportunity means I saw the trailer and didn't go watch it. <laughs> oh, dude. It's so good. So basically, the gift is Jason Bateman and I believe Rebecca Hall move into this new place, and they've got a neighbor that's a little too friendly in Joel Edgerton, who went to school with Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman is so good in this movie. Like, I'm not normally the biggest Jason Bateman fan, but this was, like, before, I think it's, what, Ozark that he's on? Um, mm-hmm. This is before Ozark. I think this is, like, 2011 or something. And he is so not what I normally envision with Jason Bateman. Normally, he's, like, the funny everyman. Yeah. Kind of like Chevy Chase, but much more dry, like, Arrested Development type. Um, yeah. This, he kind of leans into that, except, like, well, what if his, like, narcissism and just cocky humor wasn't really played off for laughs and no one's laughing at it type of thing Ooh. of, like, he's supposed to be the the big jock when he was in high school, at least. Well, what happens to the person that he was bullying? What happens from their perspective? How do they see him as a mm. horrible monster? And that's exactly what Jason Bateman is in this, of just, like, I don't want to say cruel and ruthless, but just cold and uncaring in a role that we really have not seen Jason Bateman in before. Normally there's at least like, he's he's the everman. He's the straight guy in the in the yeah. role. This he's just a dick and I hated him to the point of without saying too much, <laughs> when his life goes through shambles, it's very much a justified delayed response to something that he has inflicted upon others and going, you got what's coming to you but it's so unlike you. Like, it's just so, it was so weird for me because I had not seen a performance like that from his before. Like, obviously now he's done more dramatic stuff, but at that time, no, he was a comedy guy and it was so good. If you can find it, I think it might still be on Netflix. The Gift. It's one of Joel Edgerton's best, not his best, that's still Warrior, but it's one of his best as a directorial debut. It's excellent too. Like, great direction from Edgerton. (laughs) Well, maybe I should feel bad about missing it, and I'll, maybe I'll watch it this week. Who knows? I uh, <clears throat> I might have to watch a certain other movie first. Oh though. yeah, I gotta find time to watch that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, man. I like how we like brought five good things back, and then we're like, oh no, that also means we gotta watch terrible movies. Oh no. Oh yeah, there's already some uh, movies that I'm just like, oh crap, we're gonna have to. Cover there's a those. couple I I keep mentioning. I keep being like, we should do this, but like inside, I'm like, we should never. Do this. Yeah, like October, I'm thinking we should do Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, but at the same Mm. time, I'm going, I hate myself, don't I? I just I, I hate that I keep recommending Gods of Egypt. It, I really hate that that's a thing that's happening. Anyway, talking coming about... this Easter. <laughs> basically, that's what that movie did. Um, anyway, uh, you want to talk about t- doing against type? Um, let's take a guy who's young. He's uh, known for pretty. I, I don't want to say funny performances i want to say like rom-com in in heath ledger through uh um 10 things i hate about you and which is I mean, probably I, my favorite rom-com like ever oh it's so good i mean and uh, probably but also because of Knight's, him he's so natural night's tale yeah Na- night's tale is basically a rom-com uh, basically 
And then what like right before that is before Dark Knight, it's Brokeback Mountain, which was a little more dramatic, obviously. Yeah, a little bit, but it's it's still more like a and it's not a comedy, obviously. But um, going into into Dark Knight, everybody was like, "Yeah, no, uh, this, this <laughs> something I've heard all week. He, you're not that guy, bud. You're not that guy." <laughs> um, <laughs> but he turned out to be that guy. Like, holy cow. And it cost him his life, unfortunately. But, jeez. What a performance, man. It is not... I stand by my guns and saying it's not a Joker performance, but it is a Christopher Nolan, Heath Ledger's interpretation of what a Joker could look like in today's, you know, realm. Yeah, I think it doesn't, like, fully encapsulate like a Mark Hamill does. Like, I think it's... It's a good anarchist version of Joker. Yes. Um, but yeah, that performance, like it's it's just so weird to watch that. Because I watched that before I saw 10 Things I Hate About You. I was super late to that party. But when I go back and watch 10 Things I Hate About You, I'm just like, that's the same guy? Like, yeah. just, it's just so different for him. It's, again, it's like... We don't. We're not talking about him today, but it's like when Matthew McConaughey started doing much more dramatic stuff because yeah. he was known as the chick flick guy, like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days or Summer's Catch. And the fact that I can just rattle these off the top of my head isn't that all disturbing, considering I haven't seen not. these. You're, you're you're married. It's fine. I actually haven't seen any of these, and I saw How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days before I got married. I don't think Heather's a big fan of that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously she's not trying to get rid of a guy in ten days. She got you anyway. Oh, it's true. Plus, she's she's got much better taste in rom coms. Her favorite's Thirteen Going on Thirty, which is wonderful. Thirteen Going on Thirty is just fantastic. I, I don't know why she's like burn, but here we are. And Josh is like freezing up on me, so I'm like, what? Yes, but yeah, no, he's Heath Ledger's fantastic. Yeah, dude, I I don't know what's going on. <laughs> my, it's like the uh, meme. What the f is going on? <laughs> And everything's going downhill now. Ooh! <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm curious if Josh yeah. has seen this movie yet. It's been on Netflix for a while, and I know I've raved about this movie before, and this particular actor, because I feel like he's not everybody's cup of tea, but for that reason, I feel like he's vastly underappreciated. And that is Sasha Baron Cohen in, I think it came out either this year or last year, in Trial of the Chicago 7. So... He's usually the quirky guy. He, for better or for worse, he will always be typecast as Borat. Very nice. Mm-hmm. That was horrible. But even like some other movies that he's trying to be quote unquote more serious, like uh, Les Mis, or even as much as I love Hugo, he's still kind of playing the weird, kooky character, the semi comedic character. And then we get to Trial of the Chicago 7. He's this. A well-educated stoner like he still has a little bit of like a Cheech and Chong vibe to him of like really does not care but he's also much more subdued and incredibly intelligent and it speaks with a different attitude than any other Sasha Baron Cohen performance and I'm just like are we paying attention to this like this is so out of his normal comfort zone that I feel like we really should applaud this performance more yeah. and I feel like he did get some award consideration like he is when he wants to be in the right role and in the right performance he's a great actor it's just a matter of we so often typecast him as oh yeah you're the funny bruno and borat guy but yeah trial of chicago 7 if you have not seen him in that 
I don't think you really have seen his best performances because it's so radically different. Like you'll be going, really? That, that's 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 Borat because it, yeah. it's so good. Well, and Sasha's been very vocal, at least in the past couple of years, about how he has always wanted to expand his acting horizons, but nobody ever comes to him or offers him scripts about anything other than a Borat-like character. And he's like, I, it's, look, man, it's funny. It's a thing that I'm known for. Cool. But I want to do something else. And so I think I might add that. Uh, that one is Chicago so good. To my list it, to go watch. I think it's right up your alley. Of uh, it's real. It's got him. It's got Yahya Abdul Mateen from Aquaman and the Greatest Showman as the man that's on trial. It's got one of the worst, and by that I mean like best villains in a very long time with the main judge. You're just like, oh, it's it's a phenomenal <laughs> movie. It's so good. Um. Trying to think of what's next. Let's go with a fairly obvious recent one with a mm-hmm. certain bearded Jim, if you will, in <laughs> in John Krasinski. Oh my gosh, has this man really, really turned things around? And I'll really attribute that mostly to a quiet place because up until that point, he was just Jim from the office. And insert Jim staring directly at the camera meme and everyone just thought of him as the funny guy and then a quiet place comes out and no one's laughing anymore they're going so uh you're gonna be Mr. Fantastic right because I I genuinely don't think we heard about the Mr. Fantastic rumors for him until a quiet place came out and then everyone's like oh hey he'd be great for that going yeah Yes, and even I don't know if I started considering him until A Quiet Place, but that's just so different than the other comedies that he'd been known for. Because even before, even besides A Quiet Place, he did what was it, Leatherheads with George Clooney, that football comedy. He'd been in some like lighter stuff, and then A Quiet Place comes out, and my heart will always shatter into a thousand pieces with "I love you, I have always loved you," and you're just like, how is this movie not getting more? awards consideration because this is beautiful uh it's because it's a horror movie and horror movies don't get awards um unless you're get out or science of the lambs yeah um yeah no john's the best he's great uh he I, i'd have to look at timeline but uh, uh he did that jack reachers that that was after quiet place i think that was like 2019 i believe with amazon as also I don't know which one came before or after, not 100%. Yeah, I think A Quiet Place came first. I think that was 2018, and Jack Reacher was 2019. Yeah, like, let's go, bro. Like, the guy can act. I'm super here for it. Now, I know some people are, because we bring up um, John Krasinski, I know some people cool. are going to be like, what about what about Chris Pratt <laughs> from Guardians of the John Galaxy? I know some people are going to be like, where's Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy? That's not... Chris Pratt really going against his typecasting, I think. I think that's more just Chris Pratt being in a little bit better shape because I think Star-Lord is still just Andy Dwyer in space, which don't get me wrong. I love me some Andy Dwyer in space. I love Star-Lord. But it is still very much Chris Pratt in in his niche, in his bubble. It's what he's good at. He has done some other dramatic roles. Here's a perfect segue to our next person. If you want to see Chris Pratt against typecasting, 
Look at the movie. Let's go. Look at the movie Moneyball, in which case he's playing Scott Hatterberg in one of my favorite movie scenes of all time because I know how it feels when they're recruiting Scott Hatterberg. Whoa, you want me to play first base? I've never played first base. Oh, it's not that hard. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. Yes. Yes, it is. People only ever talk about first basemans when we screw up. Because <laughs> what about the fans? Oh, yeah, maybe I can teach one of them. Uh, that's, I think, one of Pratt's better dramatic performances, but that's not who we're talking about today. When you hear Jonah Hill, for a while there, you thought super bad. Because yeah. that's like this generation's American pie, basically. When I think Jonah Hill, I think either The Wolf of Wall Street or Moneyball. I love Jonah Hill and Moneyball. I, I just love all of Moneyball to begin with. I think it's as close to perfect baseball movie as we've ever gotten. But Jonah Hill's performance in that is so good as Peter Brand, even if the name is completely wrong. But then again, the guy that the character is based off of in real life was just like, that's not me at all. You should change the name, even though from the book, it sounds like it's pretty accurate to the original guy. Um before Moneyball, I was just like, oh yeah, Jonah Hill's the funny guy, to the point of when he got cast in Moneyball, I was just like, this is an odd choice, and then I see him going, oh, you know what, he can act, and then after that, Martin Scorsese brings him on for Wolf of Wall Street, after seeing him in Moneyball, it's just like, he can be great, and now Jonah Hill is actually a pretty well-respected, dramatic actor, but up until that point, he was the super bad dude, he was the dude in the hot dog costume, um, yeah, and, like, it's so unfortunate because, like, he'd be in stuff, like... To me, I got hints of his dramatic side in um, 21 Jump Street and 22 oh, Jump Street. so good. Like, he's hilarious, but there's some really good moments between him and him and um, Channing Tatum of, like, actual good dramatic acting. Um is great, though. Like, I haven't seen Monty Paul because... Um, uh, Again, it's, watch it. It's not even... You don't even have to be a baseball look, person. Dude, it's not about baseball. Here's the thing. You and I both have lists, a list of movies that we have recommended to the other person. And the title of that list is just, they recommended it so much, I feel like I'm I'm a terrible person for watching it now. And then the subtitle right below it is, realistically, realistically we know we will never watch these. Sorry, I yeah. probably will never actually watch It Man. I, I know, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, however, there there is a video that I'll send you about Moneyball that will explain everything of why it's great. Even like it'll get you the vibe, so you don't have to watch it. Of what what makes okay. it special. Okay. It I'll, I'll it's about fifteen you, minutes. Fifteen minutes out of Josh's time is is manageable. Um, Dude, that's fifteen minutes. I'm not reading my book, man. Come that's on. About, that's that's Josh's time <laughs> in the toilet. Just watch something on your phone at the time. All right, Josh, take our next one, whoever you think that should be. <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't seen these other three movies. I thought you had I... seen Bernie. No, I have not. I don't know why. I love Jack Black, and like I can see the tr- see the poster in my head, but I don't know why I haven't watched it. Um, and Uncut Gems for with Adam Sandler, Sandler, Sandler. is one of those movies. Sandler. 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 movies that everyone was like, "God, this movie's so good, Josh, you have to watch it." And like after Wolf of Wall Street, and everybody said the same thing: "It's so good, you gotta watch it." And I watched it, and I was like, "This is trash. I don't like this." I just haven't watched Uncut Gems. Who do, who do we want to rave about more, Jack Black or Adam Sandler? Jack Black. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> Let's do some Jack Black appreciation then. Yes, my man. If you haven't followed his Instagram, like, go do that like, right now because it is the literally the top tier – like that's how you run an Instagram right there. Like it's, I mean, I know it's Jack Black, but like, come on, it's Jack Black. Okay. What, if you would have to say, what would you recommend to people that think Jack Black is just a certain type of performer? What roles oh, would you geez. say? Watch these instead. Um, well, because it's on the list, I'm going to recommend Bernie, uh, uh <laughs> to yourself. But, first. Um, <laughs> um Jeez, man, I – oh, um, he's more of a serious role in uh, the Goosebumps movies and uh, the, the Clock in the Walls. Do you think he's serious in Goosebumps? He's serious – he's more serious than he is in, like, Nacho Libre. What do you – Nacho Libre is a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all a joke. I I, I oh, like – I liked Goosebumps more than I thought I would, but he's not serious in that movie at all. Um, no, if I had to like pinpoint Jack Black's dramatic performances, again, we talk about it all the time, but seriously, his voice acting in Kung Fu Panda is second to none. It's so oh, good. Absolutely. The stuff, the emotion that he's able to get just out of his voice, but take Kung Fu Panda out because we talk about that plenty. Um, <laughs> I still maintain he's amazing in School of Rock, and it's a very yes. underrated performance in terms of just like to me, that's a great teacher, even though he doesn't set out to be, of just, like, how on the f- quick and on the fly he is with the students, of just, like, that should be kind of what teachers should strive for. He's excellent in that. However, I feel like you watched this in school and college with us, but a very underrated movie from him and an underrated performance from him is Be Kind Rewind. I feel like people don't talk about that one enough. Um, the first half is pretty dumb, <laughs> but the second half, I think... The second half, for any creative person whatsoever, it is very hard not to fall in love with the second half if you've done any creative endeavor whatsoever, whether that's writing, filmmaking, editing, anything whatsoever. It doesn't even have to be in video related. If you have any creative bone in your body, something will pull on you in the second half of Be Kind Rewind, and I think a big part of that is Jack Black's just childlike nature and enthusiasm. That's the number one thing about anything with Jack Black's performances, even if it's dramatic or anything else. Enthusiasm is always going to be there. He's the he's. It's gonna sound weird. He's the less drug-filled version of Chris Farley to me. Of like, yeah, absolutely. When he's around, you're just happy. Like he just seems like an infectious energy that I always just like. He may not always be the best things. But I know he's going to do something to put a smile on my face. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's one of those, like, uh, you know Jack Black's going to be doing Jack Black things, and you're going to enjoy. <laughs> Jack Black things. Every, like, it's like, it's one of those, um, uh, my younger brother and his girlfriend watched Gulliver's Travels um, recently with Jack Black in it. it is oh, you not mean the good... reason why Emily Blunt isn't Black Widow right now? Yeah. Um, the movie itself not good but jack black is great <laughs> that jack I, I will black watch though. jack black movies just to have just to watch more jack black it's one of the reasons why i follow him on his instagram and his gaming channel by the way he has a youtube gaming channel that he that he has it's, it's really funny okay I, i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one role in particular of jack black's because i would put it in the category of playing against type it's just mm-hmm. a matter of would we put it in the good category 
or the not so good category. What are your thoughts on Jack Black in 2005's King Kong from Peter Jackson? He's not the problem with that movie. He's pretty good. I don't have a problem with the movie other than its runtime. It does not need to be three hours. However, as much as I like Jack Black, I feel like he was miscast in the role. Um, He's trying his absolute best, but I don't think he was the right fit to be the director-type character because, at least in the original, it was much more like a macho-type character. And not saying Jack Black isn't that, but he... He played he it differently, and it felt weird. Like, it just didn't work for me. Um, but that one, I'll, I'll give credit. Jack Black was trying something different, yeah. radically different with King Kong. Especially at that time of his career, because that was like... That was, 2000, that was yeah, 2005. Just, I'm almost going to say before... Man, I need timelines in front of me. I it was know. right before Nacho Libre. <laughs> it was definitely before Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yes. Um... So, uh, one other one before we get to our big final one. This is this is a weird one because it's really the only time this guy has ever done dramatic stuff. Because other than that, after this movie, he went right back to comedies, which is a shame because I thought Seth Rogen absolutely crushed it as Steve Wozniak in Steve Jobs. So, for those that don't know, that's the that's the good one. That's the Michael Fassbender one because within mm-hmm. like six months, we had a. Michael Fassbender one, and then we had an Ashton Kutcher one with Josh mm-hmm. Gad being Steve Wozniak. The actual Steve Wozniak hates the Josh Gad version, but loves the Seth Rogen version. So normally when you think Seth Rogen, you think of something green, and you think of... <laughs> he does neither of those in this movie. He is so radically different, and also he's like a little... At least to me, it's a little creepy of how close he resembles the original Steve Wozniak at that point in time. Because the movie Steve Jobs is not set in one time. It's basically kind of like picking important chapters and launches of Apple products in the life of Steve Jobs. And like, I can sum up that movie of everyone wants to talk to Steve Jobs right before an important presentation. That's all the movie is at different (laughs) intervals. And just like um, the the friendship and the relationships that Steve has had deteriorating over time just because of his drive to basically be the best provider of technology he can. And I'll, it's interesting looking at a historical context of a lot of the launches that the show in the movie went well, but then the products were colossal flops because Apple back in mm-hmm. Steve Jobs' era was not afraid to swing big and sometimes they struck out big. But Steve Wozniak was the loyal friend to Steve Jobs for the most part. But even a person like Woz really can only take so much. And Seth Rogen really is excellent in the movie. He's not really playing for laughs, but he, he's kind of got this like fun uncle vibe to him. That there's a part um, where him and Steve, Steve had already blown up at him at some other point in the movie. And so they're having a sit down conversation trying to like reconnect and Waz has like this cathode big like honking watch. It's got like things and everything like old weird technology. And Steve's asking about him. He gets like so giddy and excited. He's got this like new nerd toy in like the 80s or 90s. I'm trying to remember the timeline. Uh, but the way he plays it, like I don't see Seth Rogen here. I just see the character. There's a scene in particular 
where basically the two of them get in a shouting match in front of everybody in this big auditorium and Waz is not backing down. I'll send you the link because it's such a good scene of going, oh, mm-hmm. this is this is really not Rogan here. This is obviously the legend that is Michael Fassbender is that goes without saying. He's a phenomenal actor. But Rogan rises to the level of Fassbender in this scene. I'm going, there's not a lot of people that can hold their own with Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. But in this scene, I feel this tension between the two of them. And I really am kind of lamenting the fact that Seth Rogen has never gone back to dramatic stuff. He's only really stuck to his Green Hornets or... I thought I got that movie out of my brain. But Green Hornets or Pineapple Express or even voicing... Actually, I will say he was a great Pumbaa in Lion King. He was one of the Mm -hmm. few good voice acting performances in the remake. But just like, I, I see dramatic potential in Seth Rogen actually and I no wait he did do one other dramatic one disaster artist which is fantastic Josh oh yeah he was he was Sandy hmm yeah I I still haven't seen it you haven't seen disaster artist yet no no no. I don't watch a lot of stuff have you seen the room I I thought we watched the room in college I did not hit her I did not I Hi, have, here's the thing. The thing about the room is I've seen most c- clips from the movie so much. I probably have seen the whole movie at this point. So there's no. Uh, real... I don't know if you know the insanity. If I had not done it already, if I had not done it already, we would do a five good things on it because mm-hmm. it's dude. You got to see the whole thing to understand the history insanity of this movie but also like the production stuff of like hey let's film in california let's recreate this alley while the an actual alley is right to our right but we're not going to use it or hey let's shoot in california but i won't buy water or air conditioning for my staff so um it dude just watch the disaster artist because it's so nuts what the room's production was and Seth Rogen actually was pretty good but then again it's hard because he only has like two or three scenes he's not that movie's more of a vehicle for James Franco which also I almost put him on this but he's another one like Owen Wilson Nicolas Cage who I don't really know what type James Franco would be but he definitely whatever his type is he broke it for the disaster artist because his Tommy was so is eerily spot on like his voice is a little too good of oh hi Mark We've come to the end of our list, and it is time. So, We're not talking about Batman. We're talking about Robin Williams. So I wanna I wanna make something clear with Robin here. Um, he's changed his type twice. First, he's known as the comedian, the funny guy, and kind of amidst that, he decides at some point to start taking very serious roles, and then he does movies like. Um, oh geez. Goodwill Hunting. Dead, Goodwill Hunting. A Dead Poet Society. Awakenings uh, is really Awakening. good. Um, uh, uh, um, good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. Like all these like really good moves. Like easily to to me like top top twenty of my, of my favorite movies. It has at least of like those three uh, at least three or four Robin Williams movies. So we got the comedian. We've got. The, the serious dramatic actor, and now all of a sudden we have easily one of the scariest Robin Williams performances ever because 
holy crap, is his character in One Hour Photo such a departure and so different from everything he's done. It Part of the reason, the thing that makes the character terrifying is the fact that it's definitely Robin Williams, but definitely not Robin Williams. Yeah, so his... Sid, the camera guy, for those that don't know what One Hour Photo is, and I don't blame you if you don't, it's a criminally underrated movie that not a lot of people saw or haven't seen still to this day, is it's a guy that works at like a Walgreens or CVS type of building back in like 2003 or 2004, I think, and is basically the photo guy. He'll print out your roles for you. Well, he gets really, really attached to this one family that comes in for photos, and he basically substitutes his own life and lives vicariously through this family, and he more or less, like, stalks them via their pictures. Like, so whenever they come for pictures, the mom will be like, hey, can we get two copies? He'll make three so he can keep one for himself. He's got this wall of this family's photos, and so when things start going bad in the family... He mentally cannot handle it, and things really, really go off the rails. What I love so much about One Hour Photo, and we will always sing this movie's praises, is with time, this movie will continue to age better and better and better. Because, like we said, this was an early 2000s movie when people were still using point-and-click cameras and printing off pictures. And now with the rise of social media, it gets so much creepier knowing this feasibly could happen to anyone if someone could literally live their life through the pictures that you post on social medias like this would be i actually would not mind this being a remake nowadays with social media involved but it all would depend on who is playing sai not sid sai sai the photo guy is what they call him um because what what do you typically think of when you think of a robin williams movie you think of big bombastic uh outbursts uh rapid fire train of thought like the genie uh mostly improv stuff this he's very quiet and restrained with very little expressive movement very rarely ever raises his voice above a certain decibel it's so unnerving because it's rob williams it's it's this creepiness in stillness essentially of Mm -hmm. no big movements very calm collected and even when he does raise his voice, it, it kind of alarms you because he raises his voice at his boss at one point when his boss starts accusing him of suspicious activity. And let's let's get to the eyeball scene. <laughs> I don't want to remember that scene at all, <laughs> Josh. Please. And it's it's genuinely terrifying, man. Because I... so this movie very much takes place in a real world. Well, what happens when you get like a ethereal dreamlike scene in the middle of your movie it's gonna be very very jarring when you see a dude bleeding out the eyes you will scream like we did um but it's it's almost like if robin williams it's obviously not the same comparison very different characters but it would almost be like if robin williams played hannibal lecter in terms Mm. of the mannerisms of still quiet deliberate not the same character as Hannibal, yeah. but in terms of drastic, it would be kind of similar in terms of it would be that different of a performance for him compared to the other things we're so used to him being in. And then I feel like it was he followed this movie with uh, Insomnia by Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. in which case he's the murderer uh, being chased by Al Pacino, which is a radically different move. 
I remember for a very, very long time, he championed to be a Batman villain. And studios just kept seeing him as a funny man. I really lament that we never got to see him as Riddler. I know some people really wanted that. And after seeing one hour photo, yeah, he would have been a terrifying Riddler or a calendar man or something to that extent. Because he has massive villain vibes in this movie. What if he did, uh, if he was, um, oh, jeez, I just <gasps> lost his name. If he was Hush's to Batflex, if he was, if he was Batflex's Hush, Hush. No, no, I got a better one. Uh-oh. What about Toy Man? Hmm. So do you know, you know, what do you know about Toy Man? Nothing. Nothing. I so basically, nothing. Toy Man is a Superman villain that basically creates androids and toys and commits crimes because he's still mentally a child and basically creates all these like toys because he thinks it's fun and you can make that I think you can make that really really psychotic of maybe merge here's where we can get really dark with this in this movie that will never exist of merge Professor Pig the Batman villain mm-hmm. with Toy Man of mm-hmm. he's not combining robot parts he's combining human parts to make playthings yeah. oh geez i'm good thank you <laughs> i've that just scarred jock for needed. life now I don't, yeah i don't need that in my life i mean yeah. oh jeez. um <laughs> what can i say except you're welcome please stop oh um yeah no like it's and it's i mean and that's why I think it's important, though, to to watch some like every movie from. If you like an actor, watch all of their stuff, because especially people like Robin Williams were so good. Like, holy crap! The, some of the scenes in Goodwill Hunting will stay with me forever because of his performance in them. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's super important to to watch stuff playing people playing against type. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of the roles or some actors or some characters that you're like, they're normally playing this thing, but they're playing something different. Has The Rock ever played against type? Will he ever play against type? I almost put Gridiron Gang, but he's still kind of playing just The Rock. Um, Let us know some of your favorite playing against type type of roles that you like to see in movies. Uh, We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on. I think we just recently finished a transfer over to a new platform. It shouldn't change your listening habits whatsoever. The feed should still be there, but you might see some changes in the overall layouts of the podcast, which hopefully, I think if everything went right, should be up to date now. Uh, and if you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, we want to get to 500 subscribers before the end of the year. And I think we can get there. Uh, and as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.